welcome in to another episode of the Can You Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Cody, Al, and Nick. Welcome, everybody. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Do I sound better, Cody? Oh, you sound fantastic. Sound a little bit better than last week. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it feels a lot better, too. So glad to be back. That's good. Well, fellas, I'm going to be on the road next week. We're going to try to figure this out. I haven't decided if I'm going to try to stash away my podcast stuff for the road or if I want to let you two hooligans take it on your own on Tuesday next week. Oh, where are you going? Going to the good old Denver, Colorado. Denver. Uh, work work or, uh, or play, Cody? The second California, California 2.0, where everybody from California is trying to settle. Actually, my brother would argue with me that it would be Texas, but uh, I'm going for work. I don't get to go on trips like this for play very often. So I'll take it though. Something new, something new to see. Obviously not the time of year that I want to be leaving. I don't know if you guys have seen the trees around here, but it is fantastic in Northern Minnesota. Full color. Yeah. We don't get as uh, we don't get as much much of that down south in the Twin Cities, but you guys have some uh, some great color up there. I'm sure Al has some great color in his yard there. Yeah, it happened real quick too. Like it went it went from it was green, green, and all of a sudden you woke up one morning and was like, "Holy smokes! Look at there's reds and oranges and everything." It it's uh, quite beautiful out there, but just like always that is short-lived and the the leaves are really starting to fall right now. It's that time of year. And I really enjoy it is time of year. Actually the nights getting colder and, and you wake up and you have the fog, the, the cold fog across the ground. And it's nice. I really like this time of year, especially the hunting season, everything else that comes with it. It's, it's awesome. Obviously football, right? That's what we come here to talk about football. And this, this, this past weekend, holy smokes. Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say it's prime football season. But yeah, great, great weekend of football this last weekend. Yep. It started with the uh, Minnesota Gophers loss. And uh... <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hey, Cody, remember, remember when I was like, yeah, hey, the Gophers are overrated. They get killed by Ohio, Ohio State. Yeah. Well, they didn't have to wait till Ohio State. They lost to Purdue. I know. Like, bye-bye top 25 ranking. Bye-bye, you're the eighth most likely team to make the college football playoff. And listen, like, I got nothing against the Gopher football team. I hate the Gopher hockey team. I got nothing against the Gopher football team. But yeah, I, I chuckled a little bit on the inside. It's tough. I, I just think every time you get some hope that we're going to have, you know, I think it was probably three years ago. Was it three years ago? I think it was Auburn in the... Uh, we got a bowl game with Auburn. We ended up winning that game. Yeah, that was, was uh, uh, who knows what bowl this is. Bowl was the <laughs> it was the Iron Bowl, wasn't it? Or or one of those. And then uh, wasn't wasn't that Tyler Johnson and, and Bateman? Or was it just Tyler Johnson? I think it's just Tyler Johnson. It was before Bateman's time. I want to no, say it was. No, it wouldn't have been before. But Bateman would have been on that team then. Yeah, um, they were both on that team. Yeah. Johnson and Bateman. Which oh, is, they which they is, were. Yeah, they were on the same team, which is crazy to think about. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't it like the Tostitos Chick-fil-A bowl or something? It, it, they... Guaran- the guaranteed rate bowl in the last 2021. It's always something like that. They're all sponsored now. They're all called something ridiculous. 
Yeah. Yeah, we it was the Outback Bowl, Al. The Outback Bowl in 2020, we played against Auburn and we won. 20, yeah, January 1st, it was New Year's Day on 2020. So 2019 season, they ended up winning 31-24, the Outback Bowl. Gosh, it feels like it was so much longer ago. Sometimes with the pandemic, we always think everything was so much closer in time, but this one felt like it's a long time ago. Well, we're Minnesota sports fans. So, you know, everything yeah. feels like, like, ah, remember the, remember when the twins won a game? Yeah. It feels like, feels like it was just yesterday, but it was actually like, you know, two months ago. Yeah. What is their playoff streak that they're on right now? A 17 game skid for playoffs. The twins. Yeah. It's like 21. Really? Oh, I I don't think it's that much, is it? Years in between playoff wins? No, no, no. How many consecutive postseason games have the Twins lost? And I think think the number is 18. I'm fact-checking this. It it is something like that. You're if you're not if you're not on, you're you're darn close. Yep, I got it right here. The athletic reports. The Twins have lost 18 consecutive playoff games. (laughs) The longest losing streak in playoffs in professional sports history. Well, we, we don't have to worry about them adding to that this year because they missed the playoffs. So uh, we can yeah, well, that's fo- good. I like that. I like, yeah, that. we can just focus solely on the Vikings. Yep. Which is yep. good. Well, the wild start too. So yes, yeah, I love yeah, the Minnesota wild. So back to football, let's talk about the Vikings. Let's just kick this show off talking about the Minnesota Vikings, because we have a lot of listeners that, that join in on the fun, uh, join in on, the hooting and hollering on Sundays and sometimes at 8.30 a.m. on Sundays like this past week. And we got to watch them play against what used to, I guess you could call it just a skeleton. We got to play against the skeleton team that is the New Orleans Saints without Jameis Winston, without Michael Thomas, without last-minute Alvin Kamara, which really actually wrecked it for a lot of fantasy players out there. You think about this, I, I put it in perspective. It was 8.30 our time when that game started. We didn't know about this, uh, that he was out until probably 7.30 that morning, so an hour before game time. If you're on the West Coast and you're a listener to this show, I feel terrible for you because you didn't know about this until 5.30 in the morning. And there's no way I'm getting up at 5.30 on a Sunday morning just to check fantasy football. So I really feel bad for the folks that were, that were on the West Coast. Well, you're not that big of a diehard then, Cody. Yeah, well, I did. I was up at six. I I had that baby checked. I had him out of every lineup he was in of mine. I was ready to go. Also was up at six, but for other reasons. I have children who get me up at like five, six o'clock and uh, was not for fantasy football. However, I, I did let our listeners know we were on Instagram immediately following this news. And I made the announcement to get him out of your lineups. I actually went in one of our good, good friends and listeners of the show, Ty. Uh, I think he was busy golfing or something. I don't know if he saw it in time, to be honest. I, I didn't even talk to him about it, but he added me as a co-manager. I haven't done anything in that league other than just watch him go one of the guillotine leagues. And I, I saw it. So I moved Kamara out of the lineup, put Damian Pierce in and whew, Damian Pierce went off. So uh, I, I don't think he needed him His the rest of his team did great. Obviously in guillotine, you just, don't have to be the worst team. That's the whole point. So he was pretty happy with his performance, but yeah. Anyway, back to the Vikings played against the skeleton, New Orleans team. 
this was a tough game to watch for the most part, other than special teams. What a, what a game from the special teams, that fake punt. And uh, it was fourth. I think it's fourth and two around midfield there towards the end of the game. We weren't really getting anything going on the, on the ground in the running game. So I was pretty skeptical of them going for it. To be honest, I wanted them to go for it. Don't get me wrong. I was screaming. I was like, come on, let's go for it. But uh, the reality was I didn't think we were going to get it too. So, you know, here comes the punting team to come out onto the field, punt this one away. And our punter has been great all year. The guy is huge. He's built like a linebacker. If you haven't watched Minnesota Vikings punter, I highly encourage you to at least watch him kick a ball because he looks like a linebacker trying to flop a ball down the field. But anyway, he, he uh, fakes punt, throws it to the, the guy that uh, is the gunner on the far, far outside. He kind of cuts inside and then runs back out, catches a ball, get the first down. We ended up winning this game by the, the skin of our teeth. What do you guys say about this game? I, I'm happy. Three and one. My, my favorite part of this game is listening to the Paul Allen clip of the missed field goal at the end of the game. When Paul Allen and Pete Bursich both bought have an aneurysm yelling double doink as Will Lutz clanks a 60-yard field goal off the uprights. Like, it was a terrible game to watch, and, and, and mostly because the Vikings should have killed the Saints. Don't get me wrong, New Orleans does have a good defense. Cody, we talked about this before the season. They're one of our favorite defenses for fantasy this year, too. But... Come on, man. I mean, you're playing against Andy Dalton, Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray. You know, we, we, we should have beat them by more than a field goal. But a win's a win, like Al always says. A win's a win. We squeaked out another one. Three and one. Uh, we got Chicago this week, which better be another win the way they're playing. And so we just got to look forward. And the offense started, I think, to look a little bit better. Uh, the running game uh, still wasn't great. Kirk, I think, still focuses in on Jefferson a little bit too much, but uh, hopefully some progress, and hopefully next week they'll take another step. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was kind of frustrating, but then, you know, you sit down and look at it and go, last year, at this point, we were 1-3. and three. We were losing these games. This year, we're 3-1, and one, and we're winning these games. So, uh, it, from the the standpoint of being a football fan and not necessarily a fantasy fan. Uh, it, it is nice to see the the Vikings winning. Um, but from a, a fantasy standpoint, you know, Jefferson, oh, he, he got involved more. That was great. Um, Kirk still, uh, he's still got to kind of figure it out, you know, early with this new playbook, hopefully they continue to figure it out. And uh, the, the big thing is hopefully the, the coaching staff can look at this and, and start watching their tape going, Hey, we need to, we need to change up our coverage on the D side. But other than that, you can't complain when your team's winning. So uh, right now, skull Vikes. Skull Vikes. We are three and one. I'll take the victories where we can get them, especially early on. We have a good schedule coming up We play the bears. Uh, we have a couple other games. Uh, I guess I don't have it right in front of me, but we do have the Bears on on the on tap here for the next game. We have the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if we're gonna have to play against the the uh, former Minnesota Viking Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, but we'll see if Tua's back. Hopefully, Tua's back. You know, all jokes aside, with Teddy Two Gloves, I really do want to see Tua come back to the field. I want to see him 
healthy and succeed and not have a brain injury that's going to affect him for the rest of his life, which maybe that's already been done. But unfortunately, uh, Miami is is left without their awesome up and coming franchise quarterback. And that that is going to be interesting. And then we have a bye week, Arizona, Washington, until we get to Buffalo in week 10. So there is a chance there's, you know, four or five, six, seven games that we could uh, have under our belts as W's before we get to Buffalo in week 10. Hey, well, brain injury. I, I thought he had a back injury to a. Yeah, this now they're saying yeah. it's both. Yeah, yeah, a back, knee. Oh, and now he has a concussion too. Did we? We didn't get to come on here. This is our first time talking about Tua, right? Because we didn't come on here on Thursday to talk about it. We talked on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So, but so we didn't get to the injury because his game was the day after the the last episode. That is correct. Okay, so let's just take a moment to quite literally talk about that game in particular because and the implications of that and then we could roll right into injuries Does that work with you guys work Works for you with me. okay so nick you're gonna have the injury report ready to rock and roll because that's where we're gonna start is it's to a tug of viola and unfortunately uh joking about it last week just because it, it was a clown show of how this whole thing was handled where he bounces his head off the turf doesn't know where he's at in week three And uh, I I told everybody to go watch the video clip because he literally stands up, walks three, four strides and stumbles, falls over, does it again. His linemen pick him up before he hits the ground. And then the trainers come running out and he was cleared in less than five minutes or whatever. I think it was five minutes. No, he went in at half and he came back out and started the third quarter. Sure. So I saw someone report that it was five minutes from start to end of concussion protocol. Uh, regardless of what happened there, the medical staff that they had, the doctor, I believe that did clear him to play in week three was fired. He's can't. So he's gone. And so something was fishy there outside of that, uh, NFL PA and the NFL is looking into implementing a new rule where if anybody is uh, look, looks to be shaken up in a way that causes instability, which this is going to be wild actually the first thing i thought of guys was jabs you know when he got we have in minnesota with high school it, uh, high school hockey is really big and back in 2012 i believe it was we had a guy that got hit from behind into the boards and it's just kind of a fluky thing i don't think he, he got checked i don't even remember at this point i just know you went into the boards there was contact from behind and uh, he ended up being paralyzed for for life he's in a wheelchair and uh for for better, you know, the, the league cracked down, Minnesota State High School League cracked down and said, hey, we got to take these types of things out of the game. You know, there are many hits that occur and we need to penalize them more and more and more. Um, and it just, in my eyes, I think the rules got crazy. Like they just swung that pendulum super far in one direction. They obviously action needed to be taken. But uh, it ended up coming back. So the pendulum swung and then the pendulum swung back a little bit. And I think we're in a better place where we are now. But now the NFL and the NFLPA is investigating or not investigating, but in discussions of uh, removing players from the game entirely if they're showing a 
lack of stability. I, this is going to be tough, guys. I, exactly. I, I was just going to say that, Cody. You know, how are they going to determine this and who is going to determine it? Because there are multiple times throughout a game where a guy goes down. Okay, he takes a hit and he's just like, you know what? I need five seconds down here. Grabs his head like because he missed the, you know, he missed a catch or he missed a, a, a broken tackle that he should have had or, you know, missed an interception. How, are they going to go, oh, he grabbed his head, he's done for the game? How is this going to operate? This isn't, I think this is a jump to a, a conclusion way too soon. Um, what the what the Miami Dolphins did and what that doctor did was wrong with Tua. I will agree with that. Um, but to go through so quickly to try to stop the bleeding from the massacre going on within you know, within uh, newspapers and uh, news articles and, and all this stuff, it, I think it's a, a too big of a jump right away because who's going who's gonna to enforce it? And every game is going to be different. So I, I don't really like the fact that they're going to make this rule so quickly, but I do think something needs to be done in terms of, hey, he should have been out the week before and he probably should have sat last week and we wouldn't be in this situation. So... I agree with part of it, but I don't agree with them trying to make this rule so fast. Yeah, I think it's just more of an accountability thing, right? Like people just need to be held accountable for the decisions being made with their players. If you truly don't think your player is ready to come back, you take money out of the game, you take biases out of the game altogether. In fact, I don't think teams should have medical. I'm not a doctor and I don't, I really don't like having strong opinions like this, to be honest. Like it's, it's tough for me to come in um, without a, a doctor's background or perspective here. But uh, I do think that the medical doctors should have no affiliation with the team itself. I think that would solve all of these problems. You just grab people with zero biases. Um, if there's no bias, then I don't think there's a, there's a problem. But you have team doctors being pressured to make decisions and it's not, it's not good. Well, the guy that got fired was an NFL independent doctor. So, I mean, that wasn't a team doctor is the problem. So sure. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for correcting me on that. Cause I didn't know. Uh, I do know that they obviously have their own team medical staff. Uh, I it, didn't know that it was someone else. So once they get taken out for a concussion and, and brought to the, the blue tent, they have to be cleared by both their team doctor, you know, to, to come back in for, for the team, but they also have to be cleared by an independent physician, an NFL, uh, NFL employed independent physician. And that NFL independent physician is the one that cleared Tua, And that's why, you know, everyone is, is a little confused at, at how an independent doctor I, I get how a team doctor could approve him to come back in because they can be pressured by the team. They can be, pre you know, uh, you know, we know that obviously they, they, pressured you know, by a Vegas line that was set for betting yeah, purposes, you know, you know, their bias, they can be pressured by the team, by their bosses. But how does, how does an NFL employed independent physician let a guy like Tua who was clearly and Tua Tua came out and Miami came out and they claim that he was stumbling around because of a, a back injury, which is, it's total crap. Like Cody had referenced, there was a video and you could tell that he banged his head really hard and he was out of it. So it, it's crazy, but hopefully 
you know, I agree with Al hundred percent. It, you know, who's, who's making the decision. Are, are these referees making the decision to grab someone, you know, cause they're not going to just keep stopping play or, you know, are there, are there doctors standing on the sidelines that are yelling, you know, that are, that are, you know, telling them, Hey, you got to grab this guy and bring him over before the next set of set of downs. That's so, actually, it's a really good point that you just brought up, Nick. I'm a, a ice hockey official. We've talked about this in past, you know, last season when we yep. were starting up our pet, you know, our podcast for the first time. I officiate hockey and I go through concussion protocol training. And so I'm, I guess you could say that I have very, you know, little experience and understanding, but it's really just the eye test. You see someone that's shaken up, you see them stumble or try to stand up and it's like, okay, this person is clearly, uh, you know, needs to take a breather and, and sit this one out. You know, we're, we're obligated to go tell the coach, we don't want to see this person back unless they're cleared by, by a medical staff to, to come back. So I don't know. It, it can be crazy. It can be, absolutely be crazy, but uh, I think people just need to be held accountable. The same way in like youth sports, you have a 12 year old that shake, you get shaken up the best player on your team rack, you know, racks their head off the post or whatever, playing hockey. You got to sit them out. It's not about winning. It's not about, uh, you know, this is a person's life. You know what I mean? And in that, that case, the kid's life, but we're talking Tua here. It's, it's a person's life. Let's, let's move on. I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about Tua um, outside of just, you know, this Thursday, if you missed it, he did hit his head again. This one was a pretty hard hit to the ground and his, uh, his fingers curled up. He got crazy hands, which would leads me to believe that he was completely blacked out for a period of time. It was really scary. I know a lot of people that, uh, talk about stories like that, where the person is paralyzed for life when they're, when they react, you know, their body reacts to an injury like that. It's good to see that he has movement in all his extremities and that he's uh, up and moving and, and got cleared to travel home with the team from that game. But uh, it was a sad one, a sad situation. Uh, Nick, why don't you work through the rest of the injuries? Because there were a lot of them and we need to get through them so that we can talk about the fantasy implications, including waivers. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, obviously, we'll start off with quarterbacks, as we mentioned. Uh, Tua has a concussion. He's already been ruled out for week five. Daniel Jones uh, picked up an ankle injury, actually came back into the game when his backup uh, Tyrod Taylor got a concussion last week. He's day to day. And Russell Wilson picked up a bit of a shoulder injury. They're calling him day to day. They play Thursday and all indications are that he should be fine uh, to go this week. Uh, what but, a rough but, week in Denver, huh? Yes, yes, because, you know, and the perfect transition now because running backs, we got to start off with Javante Williams, that knee injury. I mean, he tore his ACL, MCL, and the posterolateral ligament uh, is what is what I, I is found. Is this the J.K. Dobbins surgery, do you think? Like we, the, we learned more and more about how J.K. Dobbins was just more severe than just a simple yeah. tear. Yep. And, and this is the more severe one. It is from what I read, this is the 12 plus month rehab, not the nine month rehab for an isolated ACL tear. So uh, it's bad. I mean, this is really bad. And, uh, you know, I thought watching that game, you know, Melvin Gordon fumbles, Melvin Gordon's been having issues this year. I thought, all right, Javante season, let's go. Four fumbles and, in four games for Gordon. Yep. 
And, you know, unfortunately, so we'll have to, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about, about Javante more though. Uh, some other big running backs though, Cody, Al, Jonathan Taylor, ankle injury. Uh, it is not a high ankle sprain, but he is day to day and they play Thursday. Still no word on whether he will be able to play this week. Cordero Patterson guys, knee injury placed on IR. He's out a minimum of four weeks. That is a big hit uh, to all those that have been starting Patterson this year. And I had to put this one on there, but Brian Robinson with his knee injury eligible to come off the pup list this week. And he could debut this week. Uh, they haven't announced whether he will or not, but fingers crossed there. I I'm, I'm excited to, to see him debut there. Uh, wow, guys, receivers too. I mean, some more big names, Traylon Burks, turf toe. He's expected to miss uh, several weeks. Jahan Dotson. Real Jahan. quick, Nick. I know some, some people get caught up with turf toe. They don't understand the injury. Um, I don't know how else to, to put it. I haven't had a, a turf toe injury myself, you know, but uh, imagine you type for a job. Imagine you have your fingers and you type for a job and your finger is, you know, pretty much broken to the point where you, you don't have full use. You can't use that to push in on a, on a key or a button and you have to type all day long. Like these people are planting on their feet and, and running routes and, and moving. It's a, a super painful injury from what I know, uh, from what, how people talk about this injury. He was in a walking boot and crutches after the game. This is a painful injury. So I want, want you to know, this might be a few weeks, if not a month or, yeah. I don't know, two. Yeah, they, they already said he's expected to miss a couple weeks. And turf, co turf toe uh, can linger for a season, to be honest with you. I mean, I've seen this happen to players. Uh, Antonio Gates had pro major issues with this. A um, couple other guys in past years. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. Jahan Dotson, hamstring, he's expected to miss one to two weeks. Jameson Crowder, for anyone that was flexing him or streaming him, broke his ankle. He is out for the year. Isaiah McKenzie with the Bills picked up a concussion. He's day-to-day. -day. This one, though, guys, this last one, Rashad Bateman has a foot injury, and everything that I've seen, they're calling him day-to-day. But I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and uh, in some podcasts that I was listening to at work today. There's a lot of people that are really nervous about this. They were calling it a, a midfoot injury. I know the guys at CBS started throwing throwing around the Liz Frank uh, word today, which is never good. That is what Travis Etienne had last year. Yeah, I believe. Yep. And, uh, I mean, obviously there's, there's a, you know, a Liz Frank fracture and you're out for the year. Like ETN was, there's a Liz Frank sprain, which is what Najee Harris was dealing with in the preseason. And I think is still feeling the effects of, he does not look a hundred percent. So Bateman real good. Those first two weeks obviously has cooled down these last two weeks. Uh, that is, that is definitely something to, to keep an eye on obviously Mark Andrews is the the unquestioned number one passing target in that offense but Bateman definitely the number one receiver so that one uh, it concerns me a little bit yeah it's tough with that wide receiver room as it is as it sits and Lamar Jackson looks great on the season so far got 
stimmied a little bit in this last matchup. Uh, obviously had a very tough matchup. You, you you take a hot quarterback like Lamar and play play him against Buffalo. That's a that's a good way to cool off a, a hot streak. So yeah, that's that wide receiver room is already pretty thin and you take Bateman out of the picture and Mark Andrews has to eat a lot to the point where it's going to be gross. Like I, it, I'd be interested to know how defenses are going to game plan around this, knowing that they don't have much, you know, Duvernay will have to, have to be a little bit more involved and I guess some deeper pickups as well. You might see a couple of, of players enter the conversation that you haven't heard of before for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, Duvernay could be a sneaky if, if, uh, if Bateman does have to miss time, I think Duvernay could be a sneaky, uh, streamable option. Look out for guys like Tylen Wallace, James Prochet. Uh, I think Isaiah Likely, who was a big name uh, coming into the season after that, that uh, great preseason, might start to get more looks as their tight end too. Maybe they'll start running some old Patriots formations like they used to with uh, Hernandez and Gronk. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I do have... Uh, I think I do have one share of Bateman. Uh, actually, in the listener league, I have Bateman. So, you know, I'm keeping my eye on that for sure. Um, and then not not much for tight end injuries, guys. Uh, Johnny Smith did pick up a um, an ankle injury. He's expected to miss multiple weeks. I don't think many people were starting Johnny Smith. Um, but if He's you were... He's been a pass blocker for New England. He hasn't yep. been a pass catcher. Yep. Which is which is crazy. I remember when they signed him, and uh, everyone was so excited. They signed Henry and, and Johnu Smith, and uh, you know, neither of them has been the second coming of uh, of Gronk. That's for sure. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. So with these injuries, a couple of the injury fantasy implications I wanted to talk about is let's just start with the Denver and Atlanta backfields. Let's talk about those two. Let's start with Denver. I think everybody's going to jump to the conclusion that Melvin Gordon is going to take all of the work because Javante is out. Everybody kind of talked about this in the preseason. Everybody talked this about this in the draft season about how, oh, I, I, I need to draft Javante in case Melvin Gordon goes down. Or the exact opposite. I got to draft Melvin Gordon in case Javante goes down. I still think it's going to be a split. You know, had it, had it been Gordon that goes down with this injury, I do think Javante sees a large increase in his a significant increase in his workload. I don't know if that's going to be the case for Melvin Gordon. And he's already dealing with his own neck injury. Is that what I, I saw, Nick? Is that Melvin Gordon had a neck injury? Yeah, he uh, I think he's been a limited participant in practice so far this week. So yeah. And I injured mean, injured or not, he's in the doghouse. Yeah, with those fumbles. We, Costly uh, fumbles. So you know Mike Boone. Former Viking. Yeah. Next man up, right? Yeah, that's the kind of mentality. That's where I wanted to go with that is talking yep. about Mike Boone. What do you guys think about Mike Boone? You know, <laughs> and I, I was one of those people that as soon as he went down, it's like, oh, you know, I've got Melvin Gordon in this league. I, you know, he'll instantly become a, you know, an RB2 for me. But the more I looked at it, especially with the way Gordon has struggled this year, uh, with not just with fumbles, but just with effectiveness in general. I think it's going to be a timeshare with Mike Boone. And now they, they just signed Latavius Murray off the saints practice squad. 
Uh, so they're bringing him in that they did that yesterday or last night. So I think it's going to be kind of a muddled backfield. I think, I think Boone is a good pickup this week uh, because we don't know how this backfield is going to shake up. He could get a, you know, he's going to have an increased role for sure. Uh, how much? I, I don't know, but I could definitely see, you know, like a, you know, Melvin Gordon gets, you know, 60% and Boone and Latavius Murray split that, you know, remaining 40%. So I think, I think Mike Boone could be a, a good pickup this week. I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to think here. Um, There's a lot of different things you can speculate on. And, you know, if, if Melvin Gordon is out with a neck injury this week or misses any time, yeah, Mike Boone to me would be a must add. They play on Thursday. Um, that's another great point, Cody, because if, if Gordon does have to sit out that, I mean, you're have, you're pulling in Latavius Murray, who in my opinion is going to be nothing more than we need depth in a guy that can, you know, we can hand the ball off to and he can run straight. How can um, you expect a guy that just played on Sunday to come in <laughs> and play, right? He played for new Orleans on Sunday. Yes. And in he's going to learn a whole new playbook now. Right. And then to four days later, expect him to play with yeah, it's, it's, knowing it's, what's going on. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, if, if Gordon does miss time, Mike Boone will be seeing the, the, the full load. I mean, there, there's no other way, you know, no other way to go. Now call me crazy. Um, I, I think there's a couple different options here that could happen for Denver. Um, I know they dumped a lot of draft picks trading for Russell Wilson, but I think there, this is a situation where there are, you know, three, four running backs out there that are in committees that if Gordon continues to have these issues or is hurt long-term, I think a guy like Kareem Hunt, um, Alexander Madison, somewhere along those lines, if those teams are willing to trade them, because I know they've been getting, you know, inquires about them, I could see one of those two guys ending up in Denver taking over due to the fact that Melvin Gordon can't produce anymore if those teams are willing to trade them though i mean cleveland already said they're not trading on yeah price is gonna so. go up too i mean we're mid-season so price is always higher so i mean i i, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep rotating through the uh free agency like look at baltimore last season they yeah, just kept yeah. rolling guys in and out that lev bell and then they had uh, who was it? The uh, Devonte Freeman come in yeah. and try to run the ball. Oh God! Hey, hey, I think Alfred. they had Latavius Murray too. Didn't yeah, they, yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, Alfred Morris is out there. I'm sure they could pick him up and you know, throw him. Yeah, you know, throw him in there. Maybe, maybe they signed Mo Williams too, a former Viking. I mean, you know, he was good for touchdowns. Robert Smith, Herschel Walker. My brother knew Alfred Morris. He, uh, Alfred Morris lived in the same little areas as his in-laws. So that's kind of cool. That is actually kind of cool. Knows him personally. Yeah. You know what, Al? I, I think you're right, though. I think it's going to be a muddy backfield, unfortunately. So uh, keep your eye on it. But <laughs> I don't know, man. So here's I just for our listeners, because we got to move on to the next backfield, what I want to talk about here, but Latavius Murray, Mike Boone, which one of those two do you prefer? I mean, we just kind of talked about it a little bit, but I want to make sure this is clear to our listeners. Boone hands down. Yeah. Okay. Boone, Boone. Okay. So do you think Murray kind of poses a threat to the upside of Boone or are you just like, it's just noise maybe in two or three weeks, but this week, absolutely not. It's Mike Boone. 
I honestly, I honestly think that they signed Murray as nothing more than insurance for uh, Melvin Gordon's uh, current injuries. So you're saying, Nick, that if Gordon is to miss time, especially this week being a short week, uh, you're thinking that they brought in Latavius Murray to be a backup to Mike Boone should the worst come to worst. Yeah, what I think is that they they're willing to roll Mike Boone with Melvin Gordon. I think that they just brought in Latavius Murray as an he's an insurance policy. Sure, he's a guy they know they can stick in and run. They'll just simplify the playbook for him if he, if he has to play, you know, and 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 they'll, and they'll they'll focus more on the passing game. So, uh, so what are you guys willing to spend on Mike Boone because he is available everywhere? You guys, he's available on dynasty waiver wires. He's available in the deepest of leagues. Oh, no, no, not the deepest. Trust me, I'm in one of Okay, those. okay. You win the award for the deepest league I ever thought possible. But I'm talking if you have 30 players rostered on your team in a 10-team league, there is a chance that he, a very good chance, that he is on waivers. Yep. So, uh, And that's a deep, deep league, uh, That a normal deep league, right, Nick? Um, what are you guys willing to spend on Mike Boone in redraft? Because that's different than Dynasty. Let's talk about redraft. What are you willing to spend on him in redraft? If, if if I'm running back needy, uh, I'd spend fifteen percent on him. Okay, fifteen percent. Al, are you higher or lower? I'd be right around the same, upwards okay. of twenty if I'm needy. But it it's one of those situations where you you have to need them. Yeah, redraft. I'm I'm right there with you guys around that fifteen percent mark. What about in dynasty leagues where you don't really get to play the waiver wires nearly as often? And I know some of our listeners are in dynasty leagues and they kind of get. You know, hopefully you're if you're a dynasty player out there, you should also be in a couple of redraft leagues because that's that's where the bread and butter is at is the redraft waiver wires keep you know staying engaged through the season. Dynasty is more of an off season thing anyway. But if you're playing the waiver wires this week in dynasty, what are you willing to spend on Mike Boone? Say you have about 30 roster spots per team. Mm. Honestly, I'd I'd be right around the same because uh, long term, if you need him this year. You're Mike Boone is 27 years old. You you are you're you're bidding on Mike Boone for this year because next year I do I, I think Melvin Gordon's gonna be gone. Javante's got a you know a a, a 12 month uh recovery here, but they're they're gonna find someone else to come in. So I, I don't think Mike Boone's gonna be anything more than a backup after this year. So again, 15 to 20% if you're desperate for running backs right now. I'm willing to go upwards of 30% in the Dynasty League just for the simple fact that guys like Jamal Williams last week when Swift is out, you're not getting a guy like Jamal Williams in any Dynasty League whatsoever. So you're just kind of putting these things into perspective as we make these decisions. So I would go out, I'd bump it up about double, but I wouldn't go probably anything past 30% for Mike Boone in Dynasty Leagues. So let's move on to that Atlanta backfield. Uh, I'm, I'm interested, Al. You, you're in on this Tyler Algier guy, right? This rookie. And uh, coming into this year, you drafted him in a couple of places. I remember you picking him up. What are you going to do here? Because Damian Williams is on IR, right? Is he expected to return? I don't think he is. I think he's still on, yeah, he's still on IR. And you have Cordell Patterson heading to IR. Now, this leaves this backfield. Everybody assumes that Tyler Algier is just going to get 100% of the, the work. But this Caleb Huntley comes in. So there's just this last week when this happened, I want to read this off for our listeners so they can better understand this. 44% of snaps for 
Tyler Algier, 10 carries, 84 yards. So he was running 8.4 yards per carry. That's pretty good. He had one catch on one target for 20 yards. And then you go look at the other player here, Caleb Huntley, 24 years old. And uh, he had 10 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. So he was 5.6 a carry, but he did score on the ground. No receptions. 22% of snaps in this game. Do you think Tyler Algier is the the next man up? And if so, by how much? I mean, is this this a 100% go all in, spend 30, 40, 50% of fab on Tyler Algier? I don't don't think we know right now, and I don't think we're going to know by the end of the week. Uh, There's a reason why they, they basically split last after Patterson went out, I think, what, early second quarter? Right before half, Algier and uh, Huntley, they're they're both in there. They both get 10 rushes, put up similar numbers. One guy got a carry in the red zone. The other guy didn't. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a dual threat situation where they're both going to be used. They're very similar running backs. Um, personally, I like Algier more. Obviously, like you just said, I, I drafted him in basically every league. So I would love to see him get the majority of the carries and eventually take over this backfield. But I don't a, know. He was your last pick in every draft, right? Well, rookie drafts. I, I got him in. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. In two rookie drafts, and uh, wasn't my last pick. He was in, in the in the later rounds, but you know, I, I got him in in a majority of leagues. But uh, I I really don't think that they're gonna just hand him the starting job. I think he's gonna have to you know fully beat Huntley out, and I don't know if that's gonna be possible in one week. You got him in the 10th round of uh, the Keeper League. You must have been pretty high on him come come draft season. He wasn't going to make it back in the 11th, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's probably right on that one. Uh, Damon Williams, Cody, uh, will be eligible. I don't know whether he will, but eligible to return from IR after this week. So we'll we'll see if that happens. Um I, I really like Algier, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm very interested to see kind of, uh, you know, what they do at the backfield this week. I I, uh, I, I, I don't like how they used Huntley last week, though, as far as, as you know, bidding on Algier. It kind of lessens what I'm willing to willing to spend on him. Um, because I don't think they're fully committed to him. He's a undrafted free agent. They don't have uh, Cody. We we talked about this before the season. No draft capital. They're not committed to him. So they're gonna play whoever gives them the best chance at the time. You know they're they're not gonna force feed him the ball. But you know if Algiers available, obviously in any league I'm in with Al, he's not available. Um, my brother also took him in in some leagues, I believe. Uh, probably because he'd heard Al talking about him, but I don't know. Al, I mean, what, what, what do you, what are you willing to go on Algier this week in, in, in a redraft league? Well, if he was available in any league I was in, I would probably say slightly above Mike Boone. Yeah. I think that the opportunity, you know, is there for him, you know, depending on how long Patterson is out, uh, you know, the, the ball's in his court, whereas Boone, uh, he, he's going to have to compete with, with Melvin Gordon as soon as he comes back. So um, I, I think I'd go anywhere from that 15 to, to 20%. So some leagues play waiver priorities. They don't play fab. 
are you burning a top priority on one of these two running backs in Boone or Algier? For what it depends what's out there. I mean, if for some reason nobody listened to us and Jamal Williams is still older, then no. You know, I mean, every league's a little bit different, but if this is a guy that is, you know, if if it's between those two, I'm going Algier over Boone. And sure. and, and Cody to specify, burn a top waiver wire priority. Are you talking about leagues where they reset based on the inverse record every week? No. Or okay. no, no, no. Top priority okay. is is where if you don't spend it, which yep. I have in my work league, Correct. you don't spend it, you remain in that spot. So you're gonna be in. Yep. You know, if you're the top, if you're number three for waiver wire order, you're gonna remain at number three unless numbers one and two. Sure. burn their top priority ad as a part of waivers. then then no i don't think i would spend it on either of these two um unless unless i'm very very running back desperate um otherwise i think i would wait i i i just Here's- i just think i think both these backups or sorry both these backfields are going to be really muddy and meh, very meh yeah just meh i mean there's a lot of options you know i think damon williams is going to come back and huntley's going to be involved and Algier is going to be involved and in denver i think that you know melvin gordon's going to get his touches and then boone will get touches and murray might sneak in and get some touches and you know who knows what you know if they'll bring someone else in so i don't think i would i would unless i'm desperate burn a top priority on either of them Okay, so let's let's take this one more direction before we we hit our break here because we need to thank today's sponsor and then come back. I think this is a perfect week for everybody to be focused on Mike Boone and Tyler Algier. Let them focus on those two players. I think that there are three other guys that you need to make sure are not on your waivers. George Pickens. George Pickens is actually... Okay, so... Uh, let me throw one out there because I don't know if this is possible, but Dak Prescott's coming back soon. Beat Ooh, the waiver yeah. wire, beat the waiver wire, get him, put him in your IR spot, whatever you got to do. If he's, if he's able to eligible to go in your IR spot, but he's going to be back soon. Get ahead of waivers. This Dallas Cowboys team is not nearly as bad as I thought they were. When Dak comes back, he could easily finish uh, the rest of the season. Obviously not, not a total season. I'm not saying that uh, cumulative with the points he's missing with, with the games he's missing, but from here until the end of the season, when he starts to the end of the season, I think he's easily a top 10 quarterback. If this Dallas Cowboys offense can keep going. So grab Dak Prescott, if he's still there now, my top three, we'll start where you just, you just started, Nick. Why don't you just highlight that real quick? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, so I, I, I took him in our keeper league because uh, I love his talent. It's George Pickens. I mean, he had that awesome catch that Cody tried to say was better than the Odell Beckham catch a couple weeks ago. Which Wide receiver won- Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yes, which which it wasn't. But Kenny Pickett led Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, Let's yes, go. Yes. Um, I mean, I think he's got he, phenomenal talent. You know, he's he's a big, tall receiver. He's not really big. He's tall. He's fast. He's got good hands. He has a good rapport with Kenny Pickett. As soon as Pickett came in the game, I mean, George Pickens was his number one look. So I think, I think what, what did Pickens end up with? 115 yards, 120 yards. Uh, it was over 100 yards receiving last week. 
Yeah, he he had a great game. Uh, he put up 13.2 fantasy points in a half PPR league. Six catches on eight targets, 102 yards. So he was going at 17 yards per catch. That's a pretty good clip. Yep, and pick you know Pickett was looking his way often. I think that's going to continue. I think that both I think that both Deontay Johnson and, and Pickett will be startable receivers, and I think Chase Claypool is droppable at this point. So. I would say, honestly, uh, unless you're running back needy, I would prioritize uh, George Pickens over those two running backs that we talked about earlier. Can he pick it off? Oh, stop. 13 for bad. 13 in, in his debut. He's very, very good. I like well, Kenny Pickett. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. He is yeah, a lot. He's he a heck of a lot better off. than Trombonski. Yeah, he he started off his debut. He went perfect, thirteen for thirteen. A ball mm-hmm. never hit the ground. Mitch Trubensky. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I hear you. Al. He threw he threw two of them to the other team. Three. No, three of them. To, okay, well, you know what? It is what it is. I think Kenny Pickett's. He has a fright, uh, very bright future ahead of him. I'm not going to speculate on one game where he was thrusted hey. into a starting job. And, and In, what do I what do I care anyway? He's flinging the ball around. It's good for fantasy receivers. Yeah, True. Al. And you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave this out there. In redraft one quarterback leagues, leave him on the waiver wire. Absolutely. I, w- I mean, I'm not interested in him at all for fantasy purposes, but I am interested in his wide receivers for fantasy because he's an upgrade to Mitch Trebensky. So Michael Gallup is a player to, to keep an eye on. I He wasn't a part of my three, but he is a, a, a player that if he's on waivers, I would keep an eye on him or just grab him. You know, just get ahead of it. He scored a touchdown this last week. When Dak comes back, I think he's going to be great. Uh, so... You had mentioned Pickens. I'd say Pickens, Gallup. You know, those are those are two. You know, grab any of any one of those two. My other two players. One's a running back. One's a wide receiver. I'll see if these guys can guess my wide receiver. But before I get to the wide receiver and let you guess, the running back I'm most interested in this week is not Mike Boone. It's not Tyler Algier. It's not Caleb Huntley. It's Robinson. It is. Brian Robinson, running back for the Washington Manders. He is coming back from the non-football injury list as he was shot in the leg and the butt in the preseason. Uh, Someone tried to hijack his car. He's coming back. He's 23 years old. He's a rookie. He looked great all preseason long. He actually looked like he stole this job from Antonio Gibson. And I'm sorry. I hate to break it to the Gibson managers out there. But Antonio Gibson had 64% of snaps, 54% of snaps, 44% of snaps, 41% of snaps through weeks one through four. And it's not looking great. Never received more than 14 carries in these four weeks. And uh, was utilized heavily in the, in the passing game in week one. Not at all in the last three weeks. I think that when Brian Robinson gets there, it's his backfield. And... Uh, I'm most interested in him. Oh yeah. I've been stashing him all over the place all season. So I'm, I'm ready for him to come back. Yep. I'm just saying it. I'm looking right now, 56% ownership in, uh, in sleeper right now for half PPR leagues. So that is someone to target. 
I got I got a receiver guess for you. I bet I know who your receiver. Let's hear it. Is. It's got to be Josh Reynolds. No, it's not. Uh, you didn't talk about. No, hold on. Before I keep guessing, you did not talk about the player on the injury report, which it, the player himself on the injury report is like, nah, we didn't care about him much in fantasy anyways. At least we don't this year. But his counterpart that has been not seen the field as much because of the person who got injured. Next, next puzzled. I like this. Al, do you have any guesses? I wonder if our listeners have guessed this yet. I've mentioned this player. I'll give you another hint. I mentioned this player before the season even started. And I said, Wondell Hey, Robinson. Nope. No, no, no. I said, Hey, pick this guy up. I think he's worth a stash. I think he's going to have a good year. Duvernay. And no. you're going to want him on your team. In a, one of the best offenses in the entire league. Hopefully somebody's gotten this by now. Are you, are you talking about Isaiah McKenzie? Isaiah McKenzie is my top wide receiver pickup of this week's waiver wire. And I don't even think you have to spend any fab on him. And I honestly think that oh, I want to play in the leagues you're in because he is not on any waiver wire I'm in. What do you mean? He's on our, our keeper. Yeah, he, yeah he's in. He's on waivers in a bunch. He's of on leagues. waivers everywhere. Yeah. So Isaiah McKenzie. Split time with Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder just broke his foot. It did not come up in our injury report today, and I want to make this very clear to our listeners. Yes, it did. Oh, it did come up. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> what are you talking Isaiah McKenzie and, and Crowder were back-to-back on that injury report. Thank you. So Isaiah McKenzie is banged up, yes. And if he misses this week with a concussion, it is what it is. He might slip through uh, this week, and you might have to bench him, and, and it is what it is. But the reality of this is that Jamison Crowder is going to miss time. I don't know if it's the season. I don't know if it's a month or two. We don't know. But what I do know is that he was splitting time with Isaiah McKenzie. That was the biggest knock I had on him coming into the season is that he didn't have that slot role to himself in the number one offense in this league. And now he has it. He has the entire role. He will see an uptick in, in the, the snap percentage. He will be on the field for majority of the game. I think Isaiah McKenzie could be a league winner that you could get for absolutely nothing on your waiver wires right now. Nobody is targeting targeting Isaiah McKenzie. I think it might be a little bit of a hot take, but I'm all in on him. I'm not saying spend all your fab. That's not what I'm saying. I said you can get him for free, but I think he is a league winner. I thought somebody drafted him in this league. Yeah, I dropped him. Yeah, he got too excited. Let's see. So, 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 make sure that L L, you should pick him up so Cody can't have him. No, nobody drafted him. This is no transaction history. I drafted him in a couple of leagues, but not not uh, the sleep the keeper league. I don't know if I have a roster spot for him in the key, keeper league, but I'm gonna go make sure my brother picks him up or Al picks him up or someone so Cody can't get him. I'm telling you right now that I have. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna walk have into a Evan's waiver room. wire bid on him right now. I am gonna walk into Evan's bedroom right after this and be like, make sure you pick up Isaiah McKenzie <laughs> and you know put a couple bucks down. Make yeah, Cody uh, spend up for him at least. I I think he's. Worth I didn't have five up. receivers at this point. I'd probably go after him just to upset you, Cody, but I won't. Oh man, I think he's worth every penny. Yep, I think uh, Isaiah McKenzie's a league winner, and he is going to be picked up in week four or week five of your waiver wires. So if you're smart, you pick him up this week. I think he'll be good. I I don't think he's going to be a league winner, but I'm not going to argue with you on that. So yep. he has looked good so far. Yeah, so, he's really fast in his limited time in this offense. I think this is your time. You either grab him or you don't. So 
Let's go to our break, you guys. We don't need to spend any more time talking about waiver wires or the uh, injury report. We spent enough time there. Say uh, thanks to today's sponsor, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you to our sponsor once again. Uh, hey, Cody, we got uh, we got an interesting segment here going on. Uh, want to tell everybody what we got going? It, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, it's called Recapping Week 4, Al's edition. Al wants to do it, it his way, and he wants to do it in t- under two minutes. So, Al, take it away. No, that was a joke. <laughs> we are not going to try to get through this in two minutes. Uh, it's it like Boomer's Recap of Week 4. Yeah, if you see, oh, speaking of that, he literally, they, they normally show one clip and then he'll go on to the next one and he's out of breath by the time it's over. And I don't really want to do that. So I got a game winning no, field goal and we got Travis Etienne who sucked again this week. And we have Marquise Hollywood Brown who went off again this, this week. Yeah, well, you got a, you got a, you got a nickname everyone too. If you're, uh, you know, that's true. Yeah, yeah that is true. No, what? it was, it was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting week. Uh, the, the top finisher of the week, if anybody wanted to guess if I remember right, it wasn't a quarterback running back or a wide receiver. No, you are correct. Um, there was, it was not a kicker. It was not a kicker or a defense, <laughs> or a defense. that narrows it down. Although it, could, it could have been a defense. <laughs> what, uh, what did our defenses score this week? I don't know if we have that data in front of us. No, Keep going, T- Al. TJ Hawkinson. Thank TJ you. Hawkinson was the number one scorer on the week. Uh, Jared Goff, I believe, was number three. And Geno Smith, all in the same game, come within the top five. So uh, Lions, Seattle, you know, we, we've going into the week, we were predicting Buffalo, Baltimore. Uh, we, we really liked the, the Miami, Cincinnati game. Um, we, we were right on the, the Kansas City, Tampa Bay game. But for the most part, you know, the, the big game of the week was Detroit and Seattle. Yeah, and I just wanted to point this out because I love my kickers and defense. San Francisco 49ers scored 21 points this last week, and they finished 24 overall on the week. So there you go. There's your kicker and defense stat for today's episode. Yeah. yeah Pert, Pert played them against me in the old keeper league, and uh, that was a nail in the coffin for me, the old – you know, 20 points from his defense or whatever it was. So I thought I played you in the keeper league. No, no, you played me in the listener league and the Bush league and you went down and both. Oh, I, t- I played your father in the keeper league and I dominated him. Oh, good. Does Jimbo listen to this how, podcast? How does it feel to beat an old man? Oh, it feels great. Does he listen to this thing? No. Oh, come yeah. on. Oh, why? No, you probably couldn't pay him to listen to it either. That is ridiculous. Al could go over there and do the podcast from his living room and he would not turn his YouTube off. Yeah. Well, he needs to start listening to the podcast. He's got better things to do at work. Like listen to the podcast than I don't know, work. Yeah. Jim's, than, Jim's than stuck work. in his ways. He ain't, he ain't changing. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. Does Mooch listen to it yet? Mooch has listened a couple times. Yeah. I got it set up on his computer for him. And when he wakes up at, I don't know, 3.30 in the morning, whenever he gets up nowadays. He's got to listen uh, to the episode. turns it on that, every once in a while. Did he listen to one with Abe's in here? I, I believe he did, but I will verify with him tomorrow and let you know on the on the Thursday episode. Uh, you, you know, be- he's he's got to be in between pot one and two of coffee in the morning. So we get our times three. We get our breakdown of our listeners, and he we do have 
less than 1% of our listeners are, is of the age 50 and older. So for what it's worth. Well, he is signed into my Spotify, so I don't think you're going to see an age on him. Oh, would you look at that? There's someone else that's older that listens to the podcast, possibly Dennis. <laughs> oh, I hope it's Dennis. Uh, we got to figure this out. We have demographics in our uh, in, in our listeners. So we, we actually have a pretty good percentage. I will say, I think the last time I checked is over 15% of our listeners are women. I thought that was pretty cool. So shout out to our ladies out there that are listening to this podcast. Does Caitlin have like six accounts? She listens to zero of them. Not interested. It, it absolutely floors me. She wants to be good at fantasy football because she's playing in our work league, but yet she doesn't listen to the podcast. What a waste. You know, yeah, she, she, she could be good. Yeah, she probably would have beat you, you know, last week or two exactly. weeks. Exactly. I mean, if, if Chris Olave was on her bench, she, if she would have started Chris Olave over uh, who else did she have in there? Chase Edmonds. She would have beat me. Oh, man. She should have asked Al. Al Al to told her Alave for sure. Well, she doesn't listen to me. So let's get back to this, though. Austin Austin Eckler finally has a big breakout game, you guys. We were pretty scared as to what Eckler had to offer for us this year and comes out and pops off a bunch of touchdowns, gets involved again in the passing game, and the Chargers look pretty good. I think, the uh, you know, Herbert looked good. Mike Williams looks good. You have Austin Eckler firing on all cylinders, and then you get Keenan Allen back this next week. So I'm hey, don't forget about Gerald Everett. Gerald oh, Everett yeah. has been great. Yeah, Mount Everest. So he is uh other side of the ball really though. Doing well. Damon Pierce looking great. He looked great this week. 14 carries, 130 yards, touchdown. I believe he had six catches to go along with that. Uh, I mean they... for like zero yards, but yes, it was six catches. Full PPR league, man. That's that's a bonus. Yeah, I think I talked about him in length this last week about how I think this is this is it. I mean, you're Damian Pierce is going to be taking off and doing a, doing some great things. RB two with RB one upside the rest of the season. So hope you have him. You know, obviously we slower start rookie running backs always have a little bit slower start. Another rookie running back, by the way, Brees Hall looked good, scored a touchdown in this one, and uh, ended up finishing. High on, on the week, you know, for for someone who you drafted in the middle rounds, I think Brees Hall was somewhere in that round four to six range, and uh, he put up 14.8 fantasy points in half PPR leagues. So you're happy with that, especially if you started him. You're happy with that as an RB2, and hopefully he can continue to get on the field. I think beginning of the season was a little scary when uh, you saw his counterpart on the field, Michael Carter. A little bit more than and than uh, he was on the field, but as Brees Hall gets more acquainted to the NFL speed and uh, style, I think he's going to do great. So, you know, Cody, I, j- I just want to bring something up here quick. Maybe, maybe this can be uh, the the ending part of the show here um, because th- this week, well, you know, I going back to last year. There's a lot of times where you'd say, "Oh, this is the week of the kicker," or "This is the week of the quarterback," or "This is the week of." whatever well this week was the week of the running backs it really was and you know all over the place i seen a, a mixture of uh, uh of scores you know in some leagues i seen one big score and then everybody else was way down uh, other leagues i seen nothing but huge scores you know and it seems like the the deeper leagues 
is where you've seen the big scores because you know you don't have the opportunity to put some of these guys on our on your bench. Now, I mean, I'm just going to go through a few of these games without really even looking um, to to go. Okay, this is how many yards they had. This is uh, touchdowns, whatever. But just off the top of my head here, I'm looking down at um, Cleveland. Chubb had a big game. Obviously, he's a starter. But then you look at Baltimore. Okay, J.K. Dobbins has a huge game. Um, Rashad Penny for Seattle that people have been getting way down on. He had a big game. Um, Jamal Williams had a huge game. Both the running backs in Los Angeles and Houston had a big game. Derrick Henry back on the board with, with multiple touchdowns. Uh, Saquon Barkley had 150 yards. Um, Miles Sanders, a lot of people have been down on, had multiple touchdowns. Uh, like you said, Brees Hall had a good week as well. Um, Christian McCaffrey had a, a touchdown in about nine catches. Josh Jacobs with a big week. Rashad White getting on the board. Um, and CEH, who has been fantastic, you know, so far for the first four weeks of the year. I mean, what's your thoughts on some of these guys, especially like Josh Jacobs, Penny, um, CEH, you know, some of these guys that people may not have been starting for the first four weeks or going, ah, I'm not ready to trust them and I have better options. You know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, let me read the, I'm going to read our listeners the top 12 because it's interesting. I think this point of the season, we're through four weeks. And the top 12 names on this list, Saquon Barkley at number one in full PPR. I'm just doing full, uh, full PPR for uh, just for the first one. I'll go back to half PPR here, but I want to let you know that in full PPR, Saquon Barkley is number one at 86 fantasy points. Let's go back to half PPR. So half PPR, Nick Chubb has the number one spot. And I'll get back to why that's important with full PPR. Nick Chubb at the number one spot here, 82.6 points in half PPR. You have Saquon Barkley, number two. Jamal Williams is number three on this list. CEH number four. So Jamal Williams, CEH not drafted in the first round this year. Not even close. You have Austin Eckler at number five, CMC six, Derrick Henry seven, Miles Sanders at eight, Josh Jacobs nine. Also another player that was not drafted near the first two rounds. Number 10 was Aaron Jones, 11, Cordell Patterson, and number 12, James Robinson. I'll actually point this out because this one's an interesting one. Khalil Herbert and Damian Pierce are 13 and 14 on this list. And I think it was worth mentioning those names just for the sake of mentioning them. I am interested in a handful of these names for rest of season. And uh, Miles Sanders is one that I'm not as interested in, but I am interested in Josh Jacobs. Although they didn't claim his fifth year option, a lot of people were down on him for that. I do think he looks good. He's getting the volume. He's a big part of this offense. If they're going to win the game, they got to get Josh Jacobs involved. I think this is a trend. We talked about our trend episode move, you know, in the past couple of weeks. I think you continue to see Josh Jacobs finishing inside the top 12 from week to week for uh, the most part. But the reason why I brought up Saquon Barkley's numbers, Al, and this is kind of maybe a counter argument to your point, the running backs went off in week four, but Ryan McDowell on Twitter let us know that Ryan Bark, uh, Saquon Barkley's 86 fantasy points is the lowest for the overall running back one in full PPR through the first four weeks of a season since 1997 when Curtis Martin scored 84.7 fantasy points in that time span. That's crazy. Running backs are 
down for the first four weeks of the season. And I don't think that's a trend that's going to continue on. I wanted to point it out because running backs are always the most valuable players. Why you pick them in the first round. It's why you draft them in the second round. If you can, what say you Alan, Nick, because this is, this has been a very slow, slow start for running backs. You know, I did, that is a crazy stat, Cody. I don't even know where to go with that. Um, 1997, yeah, you know, I didn't even know they had PPR back then. So either that's made up or something's going on here. But uh, no. Well, Mooch was I mean, around back then, so they had to have PPR. Uh, it, that's no, PBR. No, no. Yeah. That's not PPR. That's <laughs> well, PBR. Well, they, they, they didn't make it up, Al. They just looked at the, at his, at the box stats and then. No, I, I know. I, I didn't know where to go with it because he kind of caught me off guard there. But uh, no, it, it is more of a, a passing game. And, and I feel like teams are utilizing the, the passing game that much more. But uh, like you said, Cody, I think going forward, the running backs are going to be more involved. Uh, hopefully some of these running backs are you know going to start getting more work in the passing game and, and get rid of that running back committee you know, that, that we've been seeing early on in the season. And I don't know if this is a precaution, you know, to try to help avoid injury and, and, you know, ease them back in before letting them loose, or if this is just going to be a trend that you continue to see um, long-term throughout the NFL in general. So uh, with that being said, I, I still wouldn't be looking at any of these running backs any different because of their point numbers being down, I guess, so to say, but uh yeah, that's that's an interesting stat. That, I mean, you said it all. That, that that's the real problem is all these committees they have. You know, they, teams used to have bell cow backs that ran three hundred times a year. I mean, now you get running backs that that get two hundred carries a year. You know, th- there was there was three hundred fifty four hundred carries. You know, look at those two. Uh, you know, and then they they'd burn out and they'd be gone. You know, I remember Larry Johnson had like two years in a row where he had 400 carries. And then after that, he had a couple, couple more years in the NFL and he was just gone. Now, now you see, you know, committees, 60, 40 splits, you know, like we were talking about with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to stay down like this, but I think it's more past happy league and, you know, I, I, that, that's why I think quarterbacks and wide receivers are just becoming more and more valuable in fantasy football. I'm actually on the extreme one side of this equation. You guys talked on, well, well, maybe we should consider wide receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks a little bit more than we have in the past. I am on the side of, I don't think this is a trend that we're going to continue to see throughout the rest of the season. I do think that it's down since 97 it's down but i do think that you can expect a rebound because some of these players in order for these teams to start getting it going stagnant offenses are really struggling um you look at the raiders i think the raiders have kind of struggled to to get it going and they finally just gave josh jacobs the ball and said let's go for the second half of the season i think running back see an uptick in points for fantasy i think that we start to see more usage across the board. And if there's anything that this stat tells me more than what you guys just talked about, it's actually that we need to buy low on the running backs. So there are tons of running backs out there that people drafted with high draft capital 
that they're disappointed with Austin Eckler, not being one of them anymore. Cause he just busted off a huge performance. But if somebody's willing to move off of Jonathan Taylor, being that he's banged up and had a very slow start to the season thus far, or you look at uh, some of the other players, Delvin cook, um, you know, Derek Henry's back to his normal self, but you know, Delvin cook and Jonathan Taylor, if you can try to get one of those guys or both those guys onto your, your roster, and don't have to pay a premium for it, I think now is the time to try. That's also what this is telling me. Use one of those wide receivers that you think has had a good start to this season that will not continue on that path and sell them for one of these top running backs. And I'm not saying sell Cooper Cup. I'm not saying sell Justin Jefferson, even though he's had a little bit of a shaky start up and down, up and down. But... uh Grab another wide receiver, maybe, and, and send us over your thoughts. I had a couple of interesting trade offers come in. I won't spend much time on it because we're running out of time for today's episode. Uh, but we did have some interesting trade offers come in from a couple of our listeners over this past week because it's that time of year. People start to send trades. My brother's sending me trade offers, uh, something for me to think about. And uh, Cody Hall, shout out to one of our listeners, Cody, who sent me over uh, a very interesting trade offer today involving a uh, eight team league where a lot of interesting scoring formats where you have uh, tight end premium and keeper formats and settings. And then you also have uh, draft picks you can trade for the next year. So a lot of stuff going on there. And it, this is the time here. So I just want to encourage all of our listeners to send over your thoughts on uh, trade targets, trade values. And if you have some trades coming your way or you're working up a trade to send to someone else and you're not confident making sure it's the right trade to make, send it over to us. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. It's can you fantasy football, C-A-N-U fantasy football. We are approaching the end of today's episode. Do you guys want to say anything else for our listeners before we take off and head into Thursday? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to be doing those start sits again on Thursday. So please, please uh, text them to us. Send them on Instagram. Send them on Facebook. Uh, we love we love going over those on the podcast. So send us as many start sit questions as you have. Any trade questions you have, we'd love to go over that as well. So any questions that you have, just uh, send to us. Cody just gave our social media. A lot of you have our emails, our, our cell phones. So just send them over. And we have a uh, Thursday night matchup where you're going to be thinking about starting people you picked up off of waiver wires. If Jonathan Taylor is not good to go, you're obviously going to have a running back situation where what do you do? Do you play Naeem Hines? Do you play Philip Lindsay in that offense? Do you look at the other side of the ball and play Mike Boone, who you just scooped up off of waivers, whatever it may be. So if you have questions about start sets for Thursday night football, please let us know. We didn't spend much time talking about this game because we Truly don't know. It's Tuesday. We don't know what's going to happen, who's even playing on Thursday, but uh, we'll try to put our thoughts out there on social media, and you should reach out to us if you have any more questions. Have a great week five. Best of luck, and we'll see you on Thursday. Bye.